Um, and as I said earlier, we're beginning a three-part series this morning on the promise of pain. Uh, so, <laughs> sounds like a, a, that doesn't go together, but we'll get there. Um, we all know that at some level, pain is usually an indication of a problem, right? Um, it's a symptom of something else going on. Pain um, indicates to us, you have an issue. Um, and some pain is good, right? In the gym, pain is good. That means change is coming. <laughs> That's a good thing. That means you're going to see progress. Too much pain in the gym is not a good thing. That means you're going to see injury. So, but that sensation that, of pain that we feel when we touch a hot stove, that's a warning, right? Don't, don't touch. So that, that's, a good kind, that's a good indication. That's what we need. But the pain we're, we'll be talking about today is the uninvited kind. It's the kind that we don't like. It's the kind that we don't want to deal with. And so um, it's weird that that's what God would be talking about during worship. I mean, I don't know why he would bring up the very subject guys aren't tracking with me. I'm being sarcastic. I just think it's crazy how God tends to speak right in the thing that he's got a theme here this morning is all I'm saying. So um, we all wish we could be free of problems and pain, live a trouble-free life. That sounds wonderful. But we know that life is not like this and um, that it can radically change even with a matter, within a matter of seconds. Our life can change. Everything can and, um yeah, everything can be turned upside down. And we tend to respond to pain in one of two ways. The first way is probably the most common, and that is to avoid pain at all costs. <laughs> right? So at the first sign of a headache, what do we do? We go take something to get rid of it, right? Um, or what we tend to do, like some people, they, they'll get a medical diagnosis or... Um, a relationship will, will fracture in their life, but they'll act like they're fine. I'm fine. No, I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> right? Because we don't, we don't want to feel it. Um, or, if it's a relationship issue, we'll, we tend to strike back and, and try to cut deeper. <laughs> because if we strike back in anger, then we don't have to feel the pain. That's a whole other message. But... Um, <laughs> We can live in denial and, or distract ourselves from pain. Um, addiction has become one of the most common ways that we as humans deal with pain. It, 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 we work too much to avoid feeling, or we indulge too much, uh, in, and we indulge in things we shouldn't, or we um, will have input all the time to distract us from what's going on inside. Right? It was one of the things that I felt like God was saying this morning about people's heads just kind of swimming. And I think that we, we tend to allow that or, or even encourage that, maybe not knowingly, but in the way that we live our lives. Because if it's all just kind of messy, then we don't have to focus in on the, the painful issues of our lives. Um, so that's probably the, the way that most of us respond to pain. Um, another way would be to wallow in it. For some people, pain, it just consumes us, and it becomes your story. It becomes who you are. It's a part of you, right? Um, it's not just something we walk through. It is our story. 
So neither of those ways are good, right? I bet you can imagine. So um, not quite two years ago, my dad was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. And if you don't know, that's um, a, a neurological uh, disease that affects it can affect lots of different things, um, and it can look different for different people. Um, but he had been having symptoms for several years, and the doctors had not even thought of Parkinson's. I don't know why. Um, and they didn't connect the dots. So, therefore, once he got diagnosed, his decline seemed really rapid because we didn't know what was happening before. And not all Parkinson's patients experience dementia. And if they do, it's usually about 10 years after their diagnosis. Um, my dad has been experiencing increasing cognitive uh, difficulty over the last 12 to 18 months. It's been very fast. Um, thankfully, he still remembers quite a bit. And we can talk about memories. We can talk about, we can still talk about my time growing up. He still remembers those things. but. Everyday tasks are extremely frustrating for him. He cannot remember how to do many of them. And he is mostly dependent on my mom. Physically, he is very healthy and strong, but mentally not so much. And if um, I were to say one thing about my dad before this, he could fix anything, anything. So, Dad, my car is acting up. All right, bring it over, right? Um, Dad, my sink is uh, leaking. All right, I'll, I'll take a look at it. He could fix it. If he didn't know how, he'd, find, he'd, he'd learn how, and he'd fix it. He can't do that anymore. In fact, the last time I was there visiting, um, Hudson and I went for a trip uh, a year ago, and my dad was having a, He felt like he needed to put oil in the car, and for some reason, he thinks he needs to put oil in the car every day. This is part of his dementia. My mom says, can you go check on him? I think he's trying to put oil in the car. We all know too much can be damaging. So I go out and um, uh, offer to help. And he says, well, do you know what to do? And I said, Dad, you taught me how to check the oil. I put the oil in the car. I've got this. So I checked it for him. And, and so basically... The tables turned. Our roles are flipped, and this is where we are. Um, and Parkinson's can also cause changes in personality, and it can cause depression and anxiety, all of which have taken place in him. Um, so that's been the hardest part for me, because he rarely laughs or smiles anymore. Lee got him to laugh a few times while he was here, so, you know, it was like... Me and my mom cried every time he laughed because, oh, look, he's laughing. Lee, say something else. <laughs> um, and he's also anxious quite a bit. Um, a lot of Parkinson's patients experience paranoia, so he does. <laughs> um, and in many ways, I feel like I'm already losing him. We can't have conversations in the same way we used to. I can't call him and tell him what's going on in my life. We can't have that conversation anymore. 
Um, he lives in New Mexico, so he, um, that's how we need to talk on the phone, and he doesn't really know how to use the phone anymore. Um, and he's always been a compassionate, competent man who took care of others, and so when I allow myself to feel all of this, it is extremely painful, and I would rather avoid it. I would rather not go there. And I'm sure that every person in this room can share something painful that you are either going through right now or that you have been through that is like that, right? Maybe uh, illness of a parent or even death of a parent or a spouse or a close friend. Um, maybe you've had a child diagnosed with a disorder or a disability. Um, a rupture of a marriage or another close relationship loss of a job or a career or a dream. Simply, it's, it's, it can be simply things not going the way that we thought that they would. And how in the world, then, is there promise in pain? John 16, which is our theme verse for this series, says, I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. This is Jesus here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. Jesus promises that we will experience pain, but he also says that we can have peace regardless. Because he has overcome, we can walk through difficulties with hope and peace. It doesn't have to be an either-or. Pain and peace can coexist. And so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about how pain can be a teacher. We're going to talk about how um, we can assign a purpose to our pain. Uh, but this morning, we're going to talk about how pain can affect our relationship with God. But first, let's pray. God, I thank you for your presence in this place already. I thank you for what you're already doing. I thank you for the ways that you've moved and um, are moving. So... We continue to submit to you. We ask that you would bring uh, revelation and truth to our hearts um, and our minds. God, that you would help us to continue to surrender those parts of ourselves and to allow you in. Have your way in this place this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So Job was a God-fearing man that we can read about in the Bible that uh, who suffered terribly, right? He was quite wealthy, and he lost everything that he owned. He, uh, his sons and daughters were killed, and then he ended up with boils and sores all over his body. His wife, it says, despised him. So I think Job knows a little bit about pain. I think he can teach us something. And Job was honest with God and with others about his suffering. But I want to look at what he says in chapter 42, verse 5, he's talking with God here. And he says, I had only heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. So if you remember one thing this morning, I want you to remember this. Our pain is an invitation to greater intimacy with the Father. Job understandably so, had felt abandoned by God, 
right? If you read through the book, he does not mince words. He tells God exactly how he feels. He felt abandoned by God because of his pain. And um, in some chapters earlier, this is in Job 23, he says, I go east, but he's not there. I go west, but I cannot find him. I do not see him in the north, for he is hidden. I look to the south, but he is concealed. And don't we feel that way sometimes? Especially when we're in pain. Where is God? And why isn't he making this better? Right? Right? That's what what we think. Um, But I think we feel this way because we're looking for God, because we know, right, that God will never leave us or forsake us. That's what the Bible says. But we also feel like, where are you and why aren't you fixing this? I think we feel that way because we're looking for him to show up in a specific way. We're looking for something specific, and when it doesn't show up that way, where are you? Um, We're looking for him to reverse our situation. We're looking for him to take away our pain now. And when it doesn't happen that way, where are you, God? Right? Right? I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. My dad is a God-fearing man. I have said to God, why would you let this happen to him? Don't we say those things? Why? His whole life he served you. Right? So we feel that way, but we're, I'm looking for God to do something specific <clears throat> instead of trusting God to do what is best. Um. <clears throat> And Job, I believe, the evidence in in what we read earlier, chapter 42, verse 5, he says, I've only heard of you before, but now I've seen you with my own eyes. I I think that Job discovered that God shows up in other ways too. Maybe not how we expect him to. And then we learn more of who he is. Job's saying, I've seen you now. I've seen you. I don't just know about you. I've seen you. And so like... when we are in pain, there's, there's this, um, and psychologists say this, that there's an opening of the soul that happens during times of stress or duress. There's an opening of the soul. And during times of suffering, we can experience God at a deep, profound level. Um, like Job said, we begin to see him. Job lamented about not being able to see God through his pain, but then he saw him with his own eyes. Right? We can go deeper in our experience and our relationship with God. There can be a deeper understanding of his love for us, and we experience more of his grace. But it's up to us whether we accept this invitation or not. If we look for a quick fix, if we look to avoid, or if we wallow without drawing close to him, we'll miss out on that deeper intimacy. And we all know that soldiers who serve and fight together form a special relationship, right? You all know that. Um, And some of the reasons this happens are the same for us in our relationships with God. So I want to look at some of those parallels this morning. The first thing is this. Pain develops in us humble dependence on God. Soldiers need to know that they can wholeheartedly depend on each other. They have to put faith in each other. They cannot afford to be independent in the field, right? 
They have to trust the guy on their right and on their left. And problems and pain force us to, to depend on God rather than on ourselves. Uh, and we wake up to the fact that we cannot control everything, and we need him. Amen. We can't do it by ourselves. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1, 8-9, we think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. That's pain. In fact, we expected to die. <laughs> but as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God, who raises the dead. As a result of pain, they learn to rely on God. Suffering brings a one-day-at-a-timeness to our lives, right? Sometimes a one-moment-at-a-timeness. And as we look to the Father to walk us through each day, sometimes each hour or each minute, we draw closer to him. And the result of this with practice is a deeper ability to wait for God and to rest more easily knowing he's in control. Okay, so next, we know him more by sharing in his suffering. Soldiers know that the person next to them can perfectly relate to the hell that they're going through. And think about the bonds that you form with somebody when you both realize you've gone through the same things. It's, it's like, like that, right? You form an immediate bond. bond. Um, when moms talk about labor pains with one another, we come together, don't we, ladies? <laughs> We understand one another. We, we, we have a bonding through that because they get it. You guys get it in a way that my husband cannot get it, right? So um, Jesus knows exactly how you feel. It doesn't matter what you're going through or what you've gone through or what you feel. He has felt it. He has gone through it. He's experienced it. And he knows exactly how you feel. He knows your pain. Isaiah 53 describes all that he suffered, and there's nothing you will go through that he does not understand. When we suffer, we know him better, and we can find comfort in the fact that he's experienced it all. So he's been betrayed, ridiculed, and rejected. He has lost loved ones to death. He has seen those that he loves suffer. He has endured the worst physical pain imaginable. And I think sometimes we don't like that part in the scripture where it says that, that we um, join in his suffering with him. But that, that's a privilege to experience some of what Jesus experienced. And we can become more like him and we can come closer to him through our pain if we view it that way. Next, pain can bring us to a greater understanding of his nearness. So oftentimes, soldiers will suffer the same punishments or endure the same hardships out of solidarity um, because they're brothers. So if one of them goes through it, they're all going to go through it together. And God promises that he'll never leave us, and he doesn't just mean that he'll keep watching over us from afar, right, and, and hope for the best. He's watching from above, you know, oh, oh, you know, he's just kind of like a spectator, that's not what he means by that he'll never leave us. He means that he is right there with us. He's walking through it with us. He's experiencing it with us. 
And if we look for him, we can experience deep intimacy during those times. Isaiah 43, verse 2, says, When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. We sang about the promise keeper this morning. This is a promise that we can hold on to. When we're not facing our trial alone, he's walking alongside him and if, uh, alongside of us, and if we look for him, we'll find him. And finally, pain can be a reset button when we're going in a wrong direction. Now, I don't believe that God inflicts pain on us. I just don't think that's in his character, right? But no matter the source of the pain, it has a way of helping us see where we need to course correct, doesn't it? If we're in sin, it can be the wake-up call to repentance. If, um, even if we're not in sin like Job, it can help us to let go of other attachments that we hold on to so that we can enter into a deeper relationship with God. Just like Paul was saying earlier, we begin to see better. When we're going through difficult times, don't we get to begin to see better what's important and what's not? Don't we get to understand, begin to understand more what we need to spend our time and money on and what we don't? Pain has a way of clarifying things really quickly and helping us reassess our priorities. Um, and we can ma- begin to see where we were maybe jumping ahead or we were getting off course. Um, or when we were just not doing anything. (laughs) Um, And pain can cause us to recognize where we may have been judgmental toward others. Sometimes we see somebody else suffering and we think, well, if they would just do X, Y, Z. And then when we experience a similar pain, oh, (laughs) right? Oh, Okay, helps us to be less judgmental, and it brings a brokenness that helps us to love others in their pain. So this morning, and I know that this is a short message, but you know it's not a it's not a like a fun one. <laughs> you can only take so much, you know? but it's important because, like we talked about earlier during worship, we like to hide those parts of our lives that hurt. We like to pretend they don't exist, and we don't like to expose them or feel them. And I, w- I want to encourage you to allow your pain to bring, your, bring you into greater intimacy with God. Um, I realize that in the situation with my dad, I'm obviously, I'm not the only one suffering. I'm not the one even feeling the most amount of pain. You know, my mom is feeling it, my sister's feeling it, and of course, my dad is feeling it. Um, he's sad, he's frustrated, but what's so crazy to me, and I'm going to try to do this without crying, so no, don't cry. Um, don't cry. Here are the things that this, this situation has done, um, in watching him, his relationship with God is still solid. He is not sitting there thinking, Why? never heard him say that. And 
it actually looks like it might be a little bit more on an intimate level than it was before. There's more of a childlikeness to his faith. <laughs> um, and when he prays, dang it. <laughs> I was trying to think of a past painful situation, so I didn't have to talk about anything current because it's hard to talk about. Um, but when he prays, he sounds more lucid and clear than at any other time. It's beautiful. There's an intimacy there. And when I talk to God about the pain, I sense him drawing near to me and even that he grieves with me. He's with me. And it is also, like I said before, it awakened, it has awakened me to what is most important. It, it has, it just opens your eyes to things. Um, for those of you that were, um, that got to witness this, um, at Forest's wedding, um, <laughs> Uh, his bride and her father were doing their father-daughter dance. They got up to do their thing, and, you know, of course, it's the father-daughter song and all the things, and my dad was sitting next to me, and we're, we're just watching, and, oh, taking pictures and reveling in the beauty. Oh, look how sweet. And my dad stands up, and I said, Dad, do you need something? And he said, would you dance with me? I have never danced with my dad. He's 76 years old and not prone to public displays of affection and certainly has never asked me to dance. And I got to have that moment with him. And it made me not only appreciate that, my parents so much more, but it made me appreciate everyone in my family so much more, just people. Life is so short. So then when I dance with my son, oh my gosh, it's just. <laughs> but I have that moment that I got to have that moment with him that I may not have gotten to have because that's not in his character typically. So God wants to draw close to you in your pain. Um, he doesn't want you to deny it's there. That's, that's not what we're talking about. When I say don't wallow in it, that's not about acting like you're fine. And we talk about that enough here. I think you know that. Job was very vocal about how he felt. But we need to bring it to him. We need to let him shine a light on it. We need to draw close to him and experience greater depths with him. Um, because he's never going to leave you. He's the only one that can heal. He's the only one that can bring the true peace and comfort that we need in that time. So, we're going to pray.